Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. We are going through Lent as if you've been journeying with us, and this whole Lent season uh, has been just a beautiful reminder of kind of the, I guess, the beauty of how God meets us in the midst of challenges that we might have. Um, when we begin to give things up and we surrender parts of our lives, and God begins to show us that we can be reliant on Him, and that He fulfills whatever we have going on. And you might be saying, well, man, I had some hard, hard days, some challenging times in the midst of giving up some stuff. Um, or even you're facing just life challenges. Um, but I think the reminder is that God is continually with us, even if those haven't resolved yet. Even if you're still feeling challenged in it, it shapes us, and it shapes us to really trust and really begin to see how God is moving in the midst of these things. And so um, we're going to dig in. We're, we're going to actually be in Psalm 30. And what we've been doing is using the lectionary as we go through Lent, as we work towards Easter. And if you're not familiar with the lectionary, it's like they give you an Old Testament, a New Testament passage, um, usually one of the epistles and one of the Psalms. And so you kind of go through these different passages throughout Scripture as you journey towards uh, Easter. But obviously, that's year-round if you're using uh, that liturgy. Uh, We don't typically stick with it, um, but for this season we are. And we're calling this kind of the wilderness because there is a bit of a challenge and a, and a difficulty when it comes to uh, walking out our faith as we go through Lent. And, um, and so I just want to read this passage because I think it beautifully illustrates kind of that, that journey that we're going through. So Psalm 130, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being awaits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than a watchman waiting for the morning. And it repeats it. It says, more than a watchman waiting for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So this Old Testament passage that we see in Psalms um, 130, I think captures this idea of being a watchman. You saw that it said it twice there. It said, um, more than a watchman waiting for the morning. And so I want to kind of take that idea of being a watchman and kind of unpack that a little bit and just kind of use that as like a backdrop to what it means to journey in our faith with Jesus. When you think of a watchman, right, like rewind, we don't really have watchmen anymore. We have police. Um, But watchmen would watch over a, either um, a temple or a castle, and they would watch for the oncoming either guests that are allowed to be part of what's going on or enemies that would be coming in, right? So a watchman would be discerning what's going on. And the job of a watchman, it's in the title, right, <laughs> is to watch and to make sure that they see that. 
If a watchman falls asleep, is that a crucial thing? Yes. All right. So you guys are with me on that one. We as believers need to be on watch. And this analogy that we, that we read here in Psalms is, I think, it, for me, it's just a beautiful visual of what it looks like to watch out because I think sometimes in our journey, in our day-to-day life, there will be things that will creep into our lives that will try and rob you of joy, right? That'll try and rob you of peace, that'll try and come in, distract you, make you feel weak, vulnerable, whatever it is. Like there's a list of things that I'm sure you can come up with during the week that when you wake up on like, let's start with Monday morning, right? And what that's like and just the the instant battle that can happen where things can creep in and begin to rob you of all the things that bring life to the full. Um, And so as as believers, we have this, this visual of being watchful and recognizing and discerning. That's a big, I don't know, a big word. I shouldn't use that. But um, being watchful for the ways that evil might want to creep in and rob you of that joy. Jesus talks about that over and over, talking about discerning between good and evil, discerning between the things of God and the things of this world. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to use this analogy to begin to say, a watchman... Watch woman, if you want, um, is attentive and very focused on what's going on because that one person that sits in that tower and watches for the rest of the castle, if we're going to use that analogy, they rely on that one person, right? That if an enemy is coming in to take over that castle and that person falls asleep in the middle of the night, what happens? The whole thing falls, right? And I think that if we use our, our, our bodies or even like our families as that analogy, that if we're not watchful, there's a lot of destruction that can come on us that can begin to come into our lives and we don't even know it, right? If a watchman is completely asleep, the oncoming enemy can come in anytime and no one would even know. There's no one there to blow the trumpet, right? No one there to sound the alarm to say, this isn't good. We need a timeout. We got to stop. We got to prepare for this because this isn't going to be good. And, um, and I think that that attentiveness to what's going on is we lose it sometimes. And so this Lent season is reminding us to be really in tune with that. And that's why we give up some things. Maybe you've given up social media, or you've given up coffee, or you've given up caffeine or something. Just something you've replaced it with time with God. Because we want to just tune in to what God's doing. We want to hone in and say, where are you speaking to my life, God? And how are you beginning to transform me from the inside out? And so I want to just use that analogy, this analogy of a watchman, to continue to, I think, kind of unpack this a little bit more. Um, But how many of you, um, just to kind of like break open this idea of like being unaware at times, what's your gut reaction when you have to wait at any moment in life. <laughs> Perfect sound for it. I love it. The sound bite of, Ugh! if you show up at the bank and there's a giant line to get in, gut reaction, what? <laughs> nope, just turn around, walk away, we're out of here, we'll come back another time, right? If you are coming from East County and you hop onto the 78, and you get in the wrong lane, and you know what I'm talking about because I did it this week. Um, what do you instantly do? <laughs> Same thing. Urgh! 
try and back up. There's video of people backing up on the 78 freeway because they're so angry trying to get back out of the on-ramp to go around the other way. Um, you felt that pain. I felt that pain this week. Um, the waiting, it, there's something about it that drives us nuts, right? One of the little tricks I've learned, maybe you can take this, just put it in your pocket for later. Podcasts, if you're stuck, podcasts are awesome, all right? If you, yeah, all right? So you just turn it on and you're just like, all right, I don't care how long this line takes. I got to get through this podcast because it's beautiful and it's entertaining and it's good. It's insightful. Um, if you want some good podcasts to listen to, I'll send you some. Um, but a lot of times when we have to wait, I love that. That sound is what we do, right? We don't like waiting, do we? None of us do. The gut reaction a lot of times is do something to distract ourselves, like a podcast. Or, better yet, what happens? Oh, there's a line? We take out our phone, right? And we just start scrolling, or we like check emails, or we're like, okay, I'm just going to like, I'm going to do something to pass the time that's more entertaining than standing in line right now, right? Rather than being present, rather than being in that moment. And maybe you guys have experienced this before, but... Maybe you've been stuck in line before and you have a conversation with somebody before you or after you and it was totally life-giving and it was good. Ever been there? So that can happen when we begin to say, I'm going to be aware. I'm going to be a watchman or a watchwoman in this moment and be aware of what God might be doing here rather than just shutting down, tuning out and just being like, okay, I'm going to be distracted. Be present. There's something about being fully present that a watchman or watchwoman is required of, right? Because then there's a, you're aware of what's coming at you. You're aware of what God might be doing around you. And it might be something really good and God's just like trying to tap you on the shoulder, but we're too busy, distracted, or falling asleep, or going the other way, or just turning and running from whatever it is, right? Um, and so I, I really love this analogy because it really points to, as believers, really how we begin to engage in our faith even more, Right? Um, learning to be watchful, learning to be watchful people is key as a believer. Um, if this is new to you, if this journey of like walking with Jesus is new to you, um, hopefully I, this is like a, um, a warning right up front to say, be watchful because there will be things that will distract you and pull you away from this. If you've been a believer for a long time, then I would say sometimes we can get used to what Jesus calls us to, and it becomes mundane. Like even worship songs sometimes, right? We can sing them and just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't really see the impact of really those lyrics that just, like, they have power, right? Um, you, you selected a song that, like, nailed exactly, and we didn't even really talk about it, but nailed exactly what the scripture talks about. And they're like, even when I don't see that you're working, what's happening? God's at work, Right? God's doing things. Even when I don't feel that you're present, even if I don't feel it, if I don't see it, you're there. You never stop. You never stop working. Like God continues working, right? And that was one of the lyrics. And as I was singing that, I was like, I've sung that song so many times. But then to be reminded that, oh, no, that's a truth that I need to be grounded in. That God is working even when I'm stuck in a line, even when I'm stuck in a place where I don't want to be. Or if I'm stuck in a place in life, maybe it's a job that I don't want to do, or it's a, a situation, a relationship with somebody that I don't want to be in, like whatever it is, I know that God is working. Like trust that he is working. And when we're watchful for it, 
we start to see it. And I want to give you guys two terms that um, it's just really, I don't know, they're, they're kind of bigger terms, but I feel like they, they really help us understand the difference between um, kind of what God's doing and what we kind of get used to. This transcendent framework, so I heard this this week, um, versus the imminent framework. And that's two ways of framing how we look at the world, all right? So I'm going to hopefully give you some context for this, and you can use these kind of terms, just throw them around and look like you're really smart somewhere. You're like, I've got a transcendent framework. But no, transcendent framework is like you're understanding that the transcendent exists in our world, that God is doing something within all of this, that we're not just sitting in chairs, we're not just sitting here like talking about words on a page, God is doing something, right? So the transcendent, like when we go to work, it's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. There's something more going on that God is working through that in mysterious ways. You might be like, well, dude, I'm just swinging a hammer and hitting a nail. How is that going to make a difference? Trust me that in those moments, the people that you work with, the people that you're building something for, right? Um, The the creativity that goes into it, the intentionality, all of that, God is at work. And that's the transcendent framework, that if we have that kind of framework going on in our lives, that we see, we frame the world in that way, there's something really powerful. But what happens is we get so stuck in the imminent, what is right here, what is all around us, that we miss the transcendent. We miss what is bigger. And so the imminent framework is this idea where it's just like, it is just a cup. It's just another person. It's just another paycheck. Doesn't really matter. Like, have as much fun as you want, as much pleasure as you want in this world, because none of it matters. We might as well all just leave this room right now. Why would we even talk about this? We should be as rude as we can to anybody. Watch out for number one. Imminent framework is just saying, this is it, and there's nothing else. And, and, I, and I know that sounds extreme, but if you really boil down simple thoughts of like, well, I just want to make lots of money and be happy, like, how does that play out in the end? What's the like step four, five, six that happens if, if that's our framework? If that's our framework, then we should just go crazy, do whatever we want, right? But if we have this transcendent framework that God is working, that he's doing something that will give us meaning, that will bring satisfaction, There is something that begins to happen in us when we begin to say, even when I don't see that you're working, I know that you're working. I know that God's at work in some way. The imminent framework, our culture is tired of that, right? Our culture is burnt out from that because they've seen that more money doesn't actually make you more happy, right? More stuff doesn't make you more happy. More, I don't know, influence on social media doesn't make you more happy. It just gives more crazy feedback on the comment section, right? Um, and, and none of that seems to really fulfill. It doesn't seem to bring the contentment that, that we're really all seeking after. And what I just want to remind us of is that transcendent framework. And we have that framework, that perspective, that view on life that everything matters. All of it is saturated with Jesus and that Jesus wants to do something beautiful in all of it. It begins to give us this hope right? It gives us this meaning that every day has purpose, and it begins to transform us from the inside out. I want to read this passage from Romans because I think it really, it really points to this, like, idea of, like, there be, being two different places and kind of being watchful, um, because we do have to be watchful. We got to watch out because things will creep up, all right? So here we go. 
The mind governed by the flesh is death. So that's the imminent framework right there. The mind that's governed by the flesh. So if we're, we're governed by like, this is all that matters. It's just stuff. We're just, I don't know, flesh. And there's nothing after all this. Then here's what he says. Um, it's death. But the mind governed by the spirit, the transcendent, is life and what? Peace. Isn't that cool? The, like when we put our minds on the transcendent, when we have that kind of framework about our work, about our daily life, about our kids, our wives, our husbands, or whatever, everything that exists, it's peace. And it goes on in verse 7. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That's a reminder right there. That like our minds want to revolt and do the opposite of what God wants to do a lot of times. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So no matter how hard we try to just be like good people, essentially, he said it's not enough. It's like it's not going to work because you're just going to end up still saturated with whatever Satan wants to do in your life. He says, you, however, this is where it gets beautiful, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, the transcendent, right? If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. So it's like it's given to us by Jesus. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. How beautiful is that? I know this sounds like, oh, well, yeah, it's just that's, that's like salvation. That's Jesus. That's what he does. But really, like when we start talking about how this like where the rubber meets the road, when it like impacts our daily life during the week, this is it. Where he's like, when you begin to have this framework, this idea that God is in all of it, it's going to change your job. It's going to change your family. It's going to change how you live your life. And check this out. So in the translations, Romans 8.10, it says, or you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive. The spirit inside you is alive then. Have you ever felt dead? Monday morning, maybe, or maybe Friday at the end of the week when you're just taxed and you've just been working hard, doing whatever. Like you, We feel dead sometimes, right? But the spirit, what Jesus promises us is that wants to live in us. He wants to change our mind, renew our mind, that even when our bodies are physically tired, when the imminent, the stuff around us, the physical world feels dead and tired, he says, I want to give you a holy, I want to give you this Holy Spirit that'll give you strength. That'll say, even when I don't feel that you're working, even when I'm stressed out, even when things are falling apart, even when things just seem really heavy, I know that you're there. And that's what Paul reminds us here in Romans to have that kind of framework, to have that kind of thought about what is going on around us. So again, waiting, it's not easy. Um, we live in this world where we have mortgages, where we have rent, where we have bills, where we have all kinds of stuff going on, right? Um, but what Jesus says here is, I want to I work in you and, and trust me with all of that kind of stuff. Um, your job, selling stuff, whatever you got to do. Um, I want to work in the midst of all of those things and make those things beautiful. Um, but that waiting part, that's the hard part, isn't it? 
So I've like given us the like beautiful picture of what it looks like, but that waiting part, that's not easy. That's hard. Um, and what I want to do is just acknowledge it and show you that Jesus felt that too. Uh, there's the shortest passage in scripture. Does anybody know it? Yeah, Jesus wept. It's like the one that any, any kid that has to memorize a verse in school is like, or if you go to Christian school, um, they're like, oh, I'm going to pick Jesus wept. That's the one. We're going to talk about that one. Because Jesus did weep. He cried. Um, he cried when Lazarus, who was uh, brother of Martha and Mary, they were followers of Jesus. They were, Jesus loved them, was very close with them. They were disciples. And when Lazarus got sick, died, and when Mary and Martha tell Jesus about what had happened to Lazarus, his response is what? He wept. He cried. And our response is like, well, it's Jesus. Like, shouldn't he just be like, well, none of that matters. We're talking about the transcendent. Like, this is a physical world. He's going to die. He's going to be in eternity forever. We should be all happy, right? But Jesus wept. So Jesus understands the heaviness of our situations, right? He understands the complication, the difficulty of being physical, yet spiritual. He gets that. And there's a couple of lines that I would encourage you this week to read it because it's really long and we wouldn't have time to read the whole passage. But the whole passage and the, the dialogue that happens between Jesus, Mary and Martha, and then as he heals, brings Lazarus back from the dead after four days, which is a miracle. And then the response of the community around him is beautiful. I would encourage you to read it. Um, if you want to just write down, I should have put it in the notes, but it's in John chapter 11. Um, you can read through the whole thing. And what happens is Jesus has this conversation with, um, with Martha. And his response to what had happened to Lazarus is he says, your brother will rise again, right? So Jesus wept first, your brother will rise again. And then he goes on and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that was the question. Do you believe this? Right? Because that's like the salvation, the gospel message. Um, it was beautifully summed up in, in the song you sung. Um, but that, that gospel message, Jesus boils it down to like, even though they die, they will live forever. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this in the here and now? Not just do you believe this when you die someday, but do you believe this now? Do you believe that there is something that God is doing, the transcendent, the beautiful, like the the Holy Spirit that's moving through you. Do you believe this here and now today? That's the like crucial question that he brings. Because I believe that that's the crucial question that changes how we react during the week when we have challenges, when things get heavy, when things get difficult, when relationships go unexpected. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, do you believe that Jesus is working in the midst of that? Do you believe that he's trying to transform you? Maybe you said some really rude things that you need to apologize for, or maybe the other person did some really rude things that you just need to show grace in. Who knows? But it's different for all of us, and it's different in different parts of life. But 
Do we believe it? Do we believe that Jesus is working in that really heavy, difficult, challenging part of life? And I would hope that we would answer with a confident yes. Yes, but I'll still cry when it's difficult. Yes, but I'll still feel the weight of the the moment, right? Um, We don't ignore the weight of the moment. And and I, I just, I love that passage because it shows the, like, the reality of where Jesus um, serves in, like the, the, the reality that he recognizes that we're physical and that we're going to have pain and sorrow and challenges, but then there's also the beautiful transcendent that exists, right? We all have stories where we've seen God do something miraculous. Um, I don't know, this may, may be a a scary thing to ask, but raise your hand if you've ever seen something happen or heard of a story where God did some kind of miracle in someone's life, transformed them, healed them, did something crazy that you were like, I don't know how to explain that. Raise your hand. Okay, so like there's a bunch of people in this room that raise their hand. Those moments where we can't explain it, that's the transcendent. That's the like that's where God is moving in the realm that we need to begin to live and watch out for to be watchmen or watch women of, because those stories are happening more than we think they are. We just discredit them, and we write them off as, oh, that's just like how the world works. That's science, or that's whatever. And we write off what God is doing. We write off the beautiful, powerful things that God is doing. There's a a story of a local person that lives here in Oceanside, and some of you might know him. I've forgotten his name, but um, this... uh, this father who lost a son to suicide uh, as a result of the railroad tracks. The son stepped into the tracks, committed suicide. And when I first heard this story, uh, I was blown away because I was trying to picture like how I would respond if one of my children had done that. Um, the tragedy, the sorrow, what that phone call must have looked like in that moment of tragedy that response to what had happened, uh, the pain that must have existed in that father's life. Um, and, And I can't imagine that. I can't picture it. The heaviness of that moment must have been unbearable, right? And yet, what happens as a result of that is that, father goes and sits at the railroad tracks where the crossing is and watches for people, is watching for people that might go and try and commit suicide at the tracks. That tragedy turned into someone who is now saving lives and reaching out and loving people in a way that that father wouldn't have done prior to that, right? Does it make that suicide any Less heavy, difficult, complicated? No. I, don't, I can't explain why bad things happen, why all those evil things can take place in our world, and why someone would get to that place where they would take their own life. But I know that when tragedy happens, that God will use us to transform the world that we live in, right? So I can't explain all of that. There's a mystery about what happens there, but I do know that the heart of that father has been transformed to save lives and to watch out and to begin to serve in a way that I, I can't even comprehend. The love that he has for people is unreal, right? 
The transcendent versus the physical world is something we have to really recognize. That it's not just flesh and blood. That it's not just jobs. It's not just things that we deal with here. It's Sure, it's stuff that has significance to it, but what's more important is the relationships that we have with people and that we're watching out for the ways that we might be transformed personally in the midst of that because that father could have turned and just been angry at the world and said, forget everything and everything is done and I'm just going to turn to hate, bitterness, and anger, right? But he went the other way. He chose love. He chose the transcendent versus choosing the imminent, the actual stuff that we see around us. He chose what is mysterious, what is beautiful in what God is doing. And we have that choice, but we have to be watchful for it. We have to watch for those moments that we might be able to serve and love. And so my encouragement today would just be that we would be observant, observant of the ways that God might use us, uh, observant of how God might use a situation to transform the world, to be different kinds of people. Um, that isn't typical, that isn't the typical response that we see in our culture. I want to close with this one thought. Um, as we're moving to Easter in two weeks, and the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, I want you to picture this, because how we picture this will shift how we view our week, how we view our day, how we view everything. Because... Picture Peter, who had denied Jesus three times. Have you guys ever had the stare where someone looks at you and you, like your parents look at you and you're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble? Have you ever had that when you were younger? Do you guys remember that one? Okay. Um, or that feeling of like somebody um, knowing everything about you yet treating you differently? Yeah, maybe you've been there. Um, Peter had failed and denied Jesus three times. And I want you to picture how Jesus viewed Peter. Because how Jesus viewed Peter will transform how we think about our lives and how we think about how God views us. Okay, so this is the closing thought. How do you think Jesus looked at Peter as the rooster crowed three times? Do you think he was disgusted, annoyed, angry, bitter, like you turned your back on me, how dare you? Or do you think that his gaze, the way that he looked at Jesus, that he looked at Peter was with love, with forgiveness, with maybe understanding, right? Because Jesus wept, Jesus understood that. With empathy. That's how God views us. When we sin or when we miss the mark, when we do something foolish, Jesus looks at us with patience, with love, with generosity, where he says, I see what you've done, but we're not, we're not going to worry about that. We're going to transform. We're going to move forward from this. We're going to look at how God wants to begin to use you. And Peter's life was transformed from after all of that, right? We know the end story. If you don't, we can talk about it later. But... How we think that God looks at us is important. If we think God is always angry at us, that he's bitter, that he's like, shame on you, wagging his finger at you, then we're going to feel that shame forever. But if we understand that God loves us, that he looks at you with love, with compassion, with just a heart for you to see 
the bigger beauty in all of it, then that's going to change our day. It's going to change how we walk out of this room right now because then we're like, you know what? All this matters. Like what God is doing right now matters. Like he loves us deeply and whatever we've done is done and he wants to begin to do beautiful things moving forward. And how amazing is that? How hopeful is that? How a beautiful story is that? And so that's my prayer for us this morning is as we leave here, we just were reminded that like we got to be watchful for what's going on because what Jesus, the way he looks at us is purely compassionate, loving, kind, um, redemptive, right? Um, he redeems those things. Doesn't, he doesn't look at them with shame. He redeems them and says, I want to do something fresh and new in you. And so um, I hope that's encouraging to hear this morning or maybe a reminder um, that as we go into this week that the transcendent, we need to be watching for it. The God moments, right? The like Holy Spirit moments, we've got to be watching for it because it's all around us. And so um, watch for them, and I would love to hear the stories of where you see God moving in your life this week. Um, maybe write them down as you see them happening. Um, it's crazy how it happens when you begin to just in, be in tune with it and go, oh yeah, God's hand was at work there. It's beautiful. Lord, um, we love you. We're grateful for your mysterious, crazy, weird Holy Spirit that works in our lives that we can't explain and yet you, you do beautiful things in our lives. And sometimes we totally miss them and we just take them for granted. But Lord, give us eyes this week. Give us eyes to see, the heart to feel, to really engage with how your Holy Spirit's working around us. Help us to be in tune with your Holy Spirit that you are doing things through conversations. You're doing things through our finances. You're doing things through our, our relationships, um, our, our children, um, random strangers throughout the week. Like you're working in all of this. We just need to be aware of it. And so give us an awareness as we move into the rest of this day and into this week that, um, that recognizes you at work even when we don't even notice it, God. So we just love you. We're so grateful for your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we continue to invite you in to do your work uh, as you see fit, God. So we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.